If this were a mystery novel, like a Jean Le Carré book, what would be the back cover of this novel? The back cover would be Russian agents are prowling the streets of Vienna and foreign capitals, hunting CIA personnel with a microwave weapon that is trying to scramble their brains and cause permanent injury. That sounds scary. (laughs) I would read that novel. I would too. I would like to write that novel. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, September 27th. Over the last few years, a mysterious illness has been reported at U.S. embassies around the world. Intelligence reporter Shane Harris had a big scoop about it recently, and it's called Havana Syndrome. 200 people have shown symptoms of it. And even though we don't know exactly what it is or who might be behind it, one thing is very clear, that the U.S. is beginning to take this very seriously. So my colleague John Hudson and I have reported that the CIA has recalled, or you can say brought back to Washington, the station chief in Vienna. This is the senior intelligence officer serving in Vienna and the CIA's representative there. It's a very prestigious, important post. The station chief in Vienna is always a very senior intelligence officer. And this individual was recalled in part due to concerns over his response to this series of mysterious symptoms that have been experienced by, we think, at least two dozen people working at the embassy, many of them CIA employees, which are described as Havana syndrome or Mm -hmm. anomalous health incidents, as the CIA calls them. Anomalous health incidents? Anomalous health incident is the 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 roll-off-the-tongue term that the CIA prefers to use for what is more widely known as Havana syndrome, which is this constellation of symptoms, including vertigo, dizziness, nausea, extreme headaches, fatigue, that have been experienced since 2016 when they were first noticed among personnel working, uh, U.S. government personnel in Havana, Cuba, uh, diplomatic personnel there primarily. And it's a name that has now kind of taken on the significance of people who are experiencing this range of symptoms and the suspicion that it is being caused deliberately by some foreign government, perhaps through the use of an energy weapon, perhaps as the byproduct of surveillance, and that what seems to tie these people together is that they have all worked at U.S. embassies abroad. Interesting. So this is something that's strictly affecting intelligence officers abroad or people who are working in embassies. Yeah, diplomatic personnel, intelligence officers, and some military personnel as well. But primarily, we tend to see them clustered around embassies. But in addition to all of those government personnel, there have been cases reported of family members of those employees, as well as their children, experiencing these same symptoms. So take me back to the beginning when this Havana syndrome first appeared and how it started to escalate into something that the U.S. government felt that they really needed to pay attention to. The first cluster of cases, as they're often called, appears in 2016 in Havana. And of course, there's a U.S. diplomatic presence there. And there are people who begin reporting this range of symptoms, the headaches, the fatigue, the dizziness, the vertigo, sometimes the ringing in their ears. Initially, it's State Department personnel that kind of come to the fore 
and become public uh, soonest, which is not that unsurprising, probably people who are not serving in classified or undercover positions. But as time goes on through the Trump administration, what we find is that more and more we're seeing this happening among intelligence officers, so people who are serving undercover in different places around the world. And you start to see cases of it pop up outside Havana. I mean, notably, some of them happen in China. There are some that are in Moscow. Um, Some of these start getting out into the press. And if you fast forward to around 2018 into 2019, this becomes a really much more public issue. There's reporting around it. There's some uh, effort to try and get some medical science onto this problem to find out, is this a physical attack or is this something that's more psychological in nature or are these incidents simply not connected? Wait, so is the the theory here or the undertone that these symptoms might be caused by some kind of intentional act, like people are being attacked or poisoned by by someone else? Yes, that's the leading theory right now. Senior intelligence officials I've talked to, uh, people who've experienced these symptoms, uh, and according to my reporting, the CIA director Bill Burns himself believe that these symptoms are the result of some kind of physical force in the environment, and the leading theory is that it is being caused probably deliberately by a foreign government, possibly through the use of microwaves or some kind of directed energy, possibly a weapon, possibly a surveillance tool that has a side effect of causing these symptoms, uh, in which case we presume the people who are using the surveillance tool know that, and maybe that's one reason why they keep doing it. But this is the theory, and we should emphasize it's a theory now because it has not been positively shown that these symptoms that people are suffering are, in fact, the result of some deliberate attack and that it's been going on for years and it's affected hundreds of people by now uh, serving literally around the world. We've reported cases on every continent but Antarctica. So, Shane, have you actually talked to someone who has experienced these mysterious symptoms? Yeah, I have. I've talked to a number of them. Probably most uh, extensively is a man named Mark Polymeropoulos. And my last job, I was the acting chief of operations for what's called the Europe and Eurasia Mission Center, which entails uh, uh, overseeing our clandestine operations from everywhere from Dublin to the farthest time zones of Russia. Mark was a very senior officer in the CIA, retiring kind of at the level of a four-star general when he was in charge of U.S. intelligence operations in Russia and also in Europe. If you were like trying to imagine like the guy who would play the special forces dude in the movie, it would be Mark. So this is somebody who really has spent his career in extremely hostile areas, mostly on counterterrorism. And I say that because this is not somebody who would like make up an injury. You know, at Walter Reed, we go through something called art therapy. And one of my colleagues, one of the many sea officers who's been hit, painted a picture. It's a black canvas. And on it it is a red splotch of blood. And and he called it the gunshot. And because that was the idea that we wish we had been shot, because then we would have been believed. And Mark has become one of the more public advocates for people afflicted with this syndrome. He has a story of visiting Moscow when he got a new senior job on the Russia desk. And so I went for what's just called, you know, it was a regular trip. Um, You know, nothing secret uh, in nature. The Russians certainly knew who I was. And I actually then had meetings with the Russian, my Russian counterparts. So it was a very ordinary trip um, in in, uh, in early December 2017. Um, But obviously something that, you know, a trip that changed my life. And coming down with these just terrible symptoms of vertigo and dizziness and ringing in his ears uh, when he was there on the ground in Moscow. I woke up um, in the middle of the night with an incredible case of vertigo. 
you know, the room was spinning. I had a splitting headache. I had tinnitus, which is ringing in my ears. Felt like I was going to be sick, you know, you know physically. Um, and, uh, you know, something clearly, uh, you know, had happened to me. You know, I first thought I, I, my first suspicion was food poisoning because it was so disorienting. The room was spinning. I was falling over. But really, by the time I got back to the United States and then throughout early and then mid 2018, um, I started this kind of incredible medical journey where I really my health deteriorated, where I was having splitting headaches. I was having brain fog. I couldn't drive. I lost my long distance vision. And, you know, ultimately, I could not go to work um, for more than several hours each day. Uh, inevitably, by, you know, mid-July, by mid, uh, mid, you know, summer of 2019, I had to retire. I reached retirement age at 50. I was eligible to retire, and I had to because I simply could not go to work anymore. He physically could not do the work anymore. The, the injuries and the symptoms associated it, with it were, were that severe that he couldn't work anymore. What's interesting is that I did receive a formal diagnosis of a traumatic brain injury caused by an external exposure event. And so for the first time, you know, uh, a doctor's acknowledged um, what had happened to me. Uh, the one part I just I, I left out. Just so for people like Mark who have had these symptoms, is there a treatment for that or any type of way to help people who are continuing to experience these symptoms? As more attention is being paid to this by senior officials in the government, particularly the new CIA director, you're seeing many more resources being poured into this from doctors, from hospital teams. Walter Reed Medical Center here in D.C., which has a ton of experience in treating soldiers and people who have served in combat who have traumatic brain injury or TBI, they're starting to bring in more of these patients now who are suffering from these, as the CIA calls them, these anomalous health incidents. So there are things that you can do to help treat them that you would normally do to help treat someone with the traumatic brain injury. But really, I mean, this is something that if you're living with it, as people who've been suffering with it have described to me, there's not a whole heck of a lot you can do when it comes on. So the treatment plan is kind of dictated by what we know about people who suffer from these symptoms, but there's no real understanding of precisely what's causing it, which makes it difficult to treat it. After the break, we talk to Shane about what the U.S. is doing to get to the bottom of Havana syndrome and whether they would even be able to do anything about it. We'll be right back. In-laws, love them or hate them, you're pretty much stuck with them. And when you're a ruler in the Middle Ages, that can be a serious problem. It might even land you dead. I'm Dan Jones, and on season four of This Is History, I'm telling the story of England's weirdest king, Henry III. He's in way over his head, and he's surrounded by bloodthirsty relatives with their eyes on his throne. To listen, search This Is History and follow wherever you get your podcasts. So what is the U.S. government trying to do to get to the bottom of this? And why is it that this top officer in the CIA has now been removed from his job because of how he's responded to these bouts of illness? The CIA right now is kind of in the lead on this, I think it's fair to say, and is trying to marshal enough evidence to, as they say, get attribution behind the problem, to be able to say, we think it's this country or this set of actors or these countries using the following technology or some kind of technology that they could maybe narrow down. So they're working on that. They've actually put a senior CIA officer in charge of that effort, who was the individual who was played a leading role in the CIA's hunt for Osama bin Laden. So this kind of 
legendary officer in the CIA who has a history on one of their biggest and most successful operations. So they sort of said, you're the guy in charge, figure out who's doing this, which gives you a sense of how seriously the agency's taking it. The CIA, I think, is probably where the government is running point on this and trying to figure it out, which brings us to the removal of this station chief in Vienna, who did have a history of being seen as not a great manager. But when you had in recent weeks and months this outbreak uh, of individuals at the post there in Vienna suffering these symptoms, people thought that the station chief was not taking it seriously enough, that he was not doing enough to quickly get them medical care. Some people believe that he was even dismissive that there is such a thing as Havana syndrome, which is not an uncommon view. There are some people who think that this is a kind of a uh, it's all in their heads, uh, you know, a psychosomatic, psychogenic. You hear about other people getting sick and all of a sudden you feel sick and... Totally, totally. And you hear people use the term mass hysteria when they're trying to be dismissive of it, which of course is not really a, a great clinical term, I think. Um, a lot of folks, certainly at headquarters back at CIA, thought that this station chief was falling into that category of not taking it seriously. And right now, that's not a great position to take as a senior manager in the agency when the new director, Bill Burns, has stated unequivocally that he thinks this is real. He said that publicly. He has said it privately. And so removing this station chief sends a message to his top managers, take it seriously, folks. I also want to ask more about the theories around what this quote-unquote weapon, if it actually exists, could be. I mean, you said a sonic or acoustic weapon that messes with your brain. I mean, that sounds like something out of a, a science fiction movie. Is that even a real thing? Like, do we know that that is a capability that any country has? We do know that lots of countries, including the United States, have the capability to use microwaves and other energy waves as a surveillance mechanism. You know, back during the Cold War, uh, the Russians were famous for sort of bathing the U.S. embassy in Moscow with these energy waves to try and detect sounds from inside the embassy. I mean, even to the point where they were trying to detect people's fingers clicking over a keyboard. So these kinds of energy forms are used in that, right? The question then becomes, and this is where I think it gets more controversial, is whether those waves can have a byproduct, which is to cause headaches, to cause um, dizziness, vertigo, to be disorienting. But what you're pointing to, I think, is kind of this gap that we have in our understanding of what surveillance technology is and what the byproducts of it might be that starts to get into the realm of a little bit of imagination of like, well, could you develop basically a microwave for surveillance that you could point at somebody in a concentrated way to cause massive vertigo and disorientation? Maybe. There are some scientists who think that's actually quite preposterous. Uh, so the debate really has kind of raged on this for a few years. What's changed is that the leadership in the CIA now is out there saying, we think it's real, uh, and we're going to proceed as if it is, and we're going to try and attribute this to whoever is behind it. Well, and if there is more evidence to suggest that it is real, and if the government were able to figure out who they believe is responsible for this, what would be the implications of that, especially if it were coming from an, an adversarial government? I think this is actually the big and hardest question that there is. I mean, it's hard enough to try and attribute who's behind it, but let's say it's the Russians. Okay, then so what? I mean, the Russians have interfered in our election. They've invaded Ukraine. They've amassed troops on the border of friendly countries. They have threatened NATO members. They tried to assassinate a former spy in England. 
what else could we do to deter the Russians from bad behavior, right? So if you found out that they were zapping people with a ray gun, I think it would just kind of go on the list of like all of the other nefarious stuff that Russians do. They don't seem to be responding to sanctions. Are we going to go to war with Russia over, you know, what arguably amounts to harassment of intelligence personnel, even if they're wounded? I mean, I don't want to minimize this at all, but there is a kind of a tradition of harassment and surveillance of intelligence personnel when they're in your country, when you're in their country. Now, has it crossed a line into physical violence? Yeah, possibly. And that would cross a line. But then the question is for a policymaker, how much are you willing to punish Russia for that, A? But B, what kind of stick or deterrent could you develop to ensure that they would stop doing it? That's a pretty tough question given their history. And it's made even harder if it turns out that it's not just the Russians, but let's say it's the Russians and the Chinese and the Cubans and a lot of other people who figured out how to use this technology. And the Biden administration is still kind of at step one of let's figure out who's doing it. Uh, and I think that they're going to do that pretty soon. And when they do, I, I expect that they will say something publicly. Do you think that I, as a regular person who's not a super secret uh, spy agent in another country, should be worried about the potential existence of this weird zapping energy radio sonic weapon? You know, I think it probably as an ordinary person, no, because why would they be coming after you? But we have seen reports of people experiencing these kinds of symptoms here in the Washington area. Uh, one case notably of somebody near their home, another case of someone working near the White House. So if it's real, right, then whoever's doing it apparently has done it here in the United States. Now, again, targeting people who work for the government. You know, it's kind of like asking, you know, the Russians interfered in the 2016 elections and stole emails and leaked them, right? Those were political emails, political party emails. Russian cyber criminals, though, to go after people all the time using the same kinds of tools and techniques. Like the fact that they have the, those technologies and abilities theoretically is a point of concern. Yeah, exactly. Which I think would probably, for the people who believe that Russia's behind this and we got to do something about it, they would say, okay, attribute to the Russians, U.S. government, be very public about it the way you have been with hacking so that you create a kind of international outrage about it to try and put pressure on the Russians to stop. Again, if it's the Russians, but we're still a ways from that. But, you know, should your ordinary person worry that walking down the street, you're going to be hit by this? There's just no evidence of that. There's no reporting that indicates that this is something that's being used to target civilians indiscriminately. One important caveat that, to that, though, is we have seen reports of the family members of personnel serving at embassies abroad, as well as their children experiencing symptoms, which makes one wonder, are they being targeted at home or perhaps when those family are visiting the embassy? So if this, again, is a real thing, it's possible that it is also affecting people who don't work for the government. It's affecting civilians who are, you would think of them almost as like collateral damage if they're not actually being targeted directly, which would be quite troubling. Shane Harris covers intelligence for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was mixed by Renny Svernovsky and produced by Ariel Plotnik and Alexis Diao. 
If you enjoyed this story and the reporting by Shane Harris that made it possible, you can support this and other great stories by subscribing to The Washington Post. For just $1 a week, you get unlimited access to everything we publish. Learn more at WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. 